Hi, everyone, and welcome to uh, Polar Opposites. But before we get into it, I want to say quick condolences and um, an outrage uh, apology to the family of Alex Collins, former NFL running back who passed away August 13th, just days ago, um, due to a motorcycle accident, as well as Rodion Amirov's family, former Leafs, number, our first round draft pick, passes away of, we believe, a tumor that was found in his brain in February of 2022. Just quickly wanted to say before we get into the show, condolences to the Collins and Rod uh, and Amirov family because of their young men passing away. Amirov was just 21 years of age when he passed away, and Alex Collins was a 28, which I know hits home on our show because of, um, obviously, we'll talk about once we get into the show. Just wanted to say that quickly. Thank you. And welcome, everyone, to episode number eight of Polar Opposites. Hello everyone, I'm Spencer Byers alongside Cage and Theru Thanny Castlem. And Cage, I just had to get that little burp, blurb out quick before we started the show. Normally that would go out on the outrage. Obviously Al and I have not been able to have the ch have not have not been able to get together to have an outrage in a while. So I just thought we'd do that on our mm -hmm. show quick. Um, and I did say j just before, so I will give you this Cage. 28 does hit really hard on this show because Cage, you happen to be 28. I actually happen to be 21. Rodion is technically year older than me. He's born 2000, 2001. I'm 2002, but because his birthday is late and my birthday's mid, I just turned 21. He was about to turn 22 in October. He didn't make uh, didn't make it that far, sadly. And then Alex Collins is uh, 28, passed away 13 days before his 29th birthday. So uh, yeah, just wanted to give a quick little uh, word out to them that even though this is a basketball-centric podcast, you and I talk a lot of ball that. We are paying attention. We do look at other stuff, and and our condolences go out to to both the Collins and and Amirov family. And Amen. it also goes back into the James stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago with Bronny James having the cardiac arrest event. It just life just sucks sometimes. Like Rodion Amirov having a brain tumor at that young of an age and to die from that, like. I can't imagine how how that's like dealing with a brain brain tumor, but get being positive in the face of it. Like sports takes the back and and then for Alex Collins dying from a motorcycle co collision. And to know that he's my age is just like life short. Life short sometimes, and you just gotta enjoy the enjoy enjoy the moments while we're here. And um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking to hear because parents should not be burying their love, burying their kids. Um, grandparents should not be seeing their grandkids dying before them. And it's just heartbreaking all around. Condolences, like you said, to the Collins and the Amira families. And may they rest in may they rest in peace. And I do want to mention the reason why I kind of did it before our intro is because I also want to include Al in that. Obviously, again, Al and I have not been able to get in for an outrage. I know Al holds the same sentiment as we do. So that is from the Outrage Inc. that we send our condolences out to those the the Amiroff and, and Collins family. But now on to the actual show, on what you're actually here for. Now, Cage, kind of a slow week, kind of, a, you know, not a lot of articles, not a lot of stuff coming out of the NBA or the was WNBA, it? in fairness. But Was it, though? But, but, 
And there's a big butt there, Cajun. There was one big outlier in that chasm of lack of news. And it was James Harden getting us started. He called Daryl Morey, uh, who is the former Rockets, now current Philadelphia 76ers executive, I believe technically president of back basketball operations, but executive nevertheless, who is a decision maker for both organizations. So James Harden has dealt with Daryl Morey for a, a very long time, I believe almost his entire career. Called Daryl Morey a liar and that he will never play for an organization that has Morey employed. So... It sounds to me like James Harden has officially put the kibosh on any rumor, any idea that he would ever play for Philadelphia this year if he does not get traded. So Harden might have to sit out again like he did for the – which he technically did for the Rockets before he got sent to Brooklyn. But I guess we'll have to see, Cage. What did you make of the comments that Harden sent Daryl Morey's way? See, I'm going to shock you with this, but I want to ask. I want to switch this on to you first. How did you? How did you feel about this before I say anything? How did I feel? Yes. Well, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting because the thing is with with a comment like this is we don't get to hear those conversations between executives and and players, right? And on for obvious reasons, might I add, but regardless, we don't. So we don't really know why James feels this way and why, you know, Mr. Harden is so, you know, angry at Daryl Morey. And maybe it's un untold agreements of, you know, you'll be traded by this date. Well, you know, if this expectation is met, we'll get you sent, you know, where do you want to go type thing. You know, I, I'm not really sure where where that liar comes from, where that particular tag comes from, because, you know, as a person who would like to think I'm rather honest and brutally honest at times, and it usually gets me in trouble at, at points, you know, that would be a term I sure as hell would not be pretty impressed to be called. So I'm just not sure where James is getting that from. If it's from a, 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 a just an internal thing, if it's something he's dealt with for years that he's just finally like fed up with, that it's multiple things, multiple maybe little things, little like white lies or, you know, that's turned into a big one or, or what, but you know, it, it definitely strong comments for a guy who did just extend himself with the Philadelphia 76ers. He did take his player option. So he chose to be there this year to get dealt. He could have walked, which again, which is why it's more interesting to me is maybe that was the thing case. Maybe it was the player option and, and Daryl or Daryl Morey told them, Hey Harden, if you accept the player option, we will trade you. We will not keep you. We will trade you if you accept your player option. So he accepts the player option. Now he's not being traded. So now he's kind of stuck in the middle. Right. So maybe that's where it comes from. But you know, I I'd love, I guess for me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to figure out why James Harden is so angry at, at Daryl Morey. Again, a guy he's dealt with for a long time. This is not like a two-year thing where he just met Daryl Morey a couple years ago. He's been around Daryl Morey. They've been together in, in Houston. They've been together now in Philly. And now to say he'll never be a part of an organization that employs him, you know, that's rather strong comments about a guy that you would expect had a good rapport with Harden because you thought that was the reason he went to Philly was because of Daryl Morey, right? We... Cage, I, I'd say I believe, I'm not sure if you did, but I believe that Harden went to Philly because of Daryl Morgan. He was a contributing factor, other than they thought that was a, a team that could win a championship. Obviously, we've seen in practice that's not exactly been true, but, you know, 
it's definitely interesting, interesting, but also you'd say disheartening that a relationship that you would have, would have expected it would have been good is now gone the complete other way and soured. Now, let me say, let me say this, let me say this. This is the third time, this is the third team in three years that he's demanded to trade from. But all of them were different situations. Yeah, how quickly the turntables, eh? He went from how mm-hmm. many years in Houston to three teams in three years? Like, it's it's quick turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but... All those situations were different. I think his time in Houston like ran its course after like eight years of being with the franchise and not really anything going about it. Rockets were going to go a different direction. Then in Brooklyn, all the turmoil that was in Brooklyn with Kyrie missing games. And I actually don't blame Harden for that, but I think I think he he wanted to, he signed up for something and he didn't want to deal with the off court stuff, like the stuff away from basketball. And there was a lot of stuff away from basketball that that really like affected Brooklyn. Mind you, Harden had a pretty big hamstring strain at the during the twenty twenty one postseason that he never quite recovered from. That he was trying to recover, that he was still recovering from the next season. So there was a lot of he was he was disgruntled and demanded a trade to Philly. Now here's 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 like the backstory behind this that I think like I side with Harden in the sense of things, in spite of the fact that this is his third team that he's demanded a trade trade away from. That off last off season. Harden, um, what's the word? Took less money than he took less money that off season so that they can get some depth. PJ Tucker, Dan, I think they got Daniel House Jr. Like they got some players, and it was with the and it was like a quote unquote wink wink handshake argument in the sense that like he would. Get a long term extent. He would get a long term extension next off season, but that didn't happen. But that didn't happen. He um, Sixers declined to negotiate with Harden, and it was on the strength of broken promises. So he didn't want to be in Philly anymore. Daryl Morey, Morley, Morey basically said, like, opt in, and then we can find a trade to your destination, and this destination was the Clippers. Now, I guess because of the market that's there, Sixers are, Sixers are taking Harden off the market. But based off of what happened last offseason in which there was, like, a wink-wink handshake argument, and it's like, you put – you take less you take less money right now to get to make ourselves make make this team better and we'll we'll sign you to a long term extension the fact that i guess like they went it, it's the principle of the word of his of his word that he went back on by he i mean daryl morey that's 
getting hard and upset. Now, it could be a lot more than that, but I think that's where it stems from. Yeah, and I want to mention here, Harden's comments came while he was in China during a Adidas marketing event, which is ironic because Daryl Morey is the reason the NBA lost hundreds of millions of dollars, if not a billion dollars or more, to the China market because of a tweet saying he uh, saying basically free Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. that's also kind of ironic, but I will continue with the quote that James Harden had. This is why I'm my answer was so perplexed is because of the wording of, of this quote. And I, I'm pretty sure you read it, Kitchen, but for anyone who hasn't read it, he said, and I quote, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar. I will never be a part of an organization he's a part of. So he is adamant that he will never be a part of an organization that employs Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey, pardon me. So I don't think so, this is even a Sixers problem. This is a Daryl Morey problem. Yeah, this is this is a personality clash that has been in the making. And I want to mention, Daryl Morey has been, was the GM of the Houston Rockets from 07 to 2000. So he had been the, the GM for the entire era of James Harden with the Rockets. And now his entire era with the Philadelphia 76ers. So he's been with James Harden for over half of his career. Over half. So this is really surprising that this relationship is soured so poorly to the point where now he is had this such strong stance. And again, it was at a at a marketing event. It wasn't like it was a you know a a, a reporter thing in, in America or you know it was a, it was a a pro am game or something. It was an a, event for Adidas that he said the said the said these quite I'll say damning but quite direct. Uh, lines about the current, I'll say GM, but basketball operations, uh, Daryl Morey. So I guess we'll have to see if James Harden stays in Philadelphia for much longer or if he is now finally going to be dealt to a a team that has a chance of winning a championship is the words I'm going to use, Cage. But um, but again, if he leaves, then where does that leave Joel Embiid? Uh, like it could be a domino effect now in Philadelphia. They could be going back for the process, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see that. We'll have to wait and see and see how that shakes out. But now on to something I talked about with you before yesterday during our little conference call. Before I want to do our our top five duos, and the reason why we're doing our top five duos is last week on Polar Opposites we talked about the Bleacher Report <laughs> top five, and the Bleacher Report top five, in your and I's opinion, was. Kind of whack. You know, their top five was, in order, Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Number four was Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Number three was the Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, Milwaukee Bucks were second with Giannis and Drew Holiday. Don't ask me how the hell Drew Holiday got mentioned in a top five list, but anyway. And the number one was the Phoenix Suns with Katie and Devin Booker. Now, I kept Phoenix off our list of duos I thought could make a top five list because I don't think they're a duo anymore because of the trade for Bradley Beal. I believe they're now a trio, but I'll I'll leave that to you, Cajun. We'll start with number five. Who is your – actually, yeah, we'll do top five. We'll do our top five duos, and then I want you to pick one duo you think will make it to the top five within the next three years. I have one who's my number seven currently. I got top seven is how many I got. 
but we'll only do top five, and then I will tell you my seventh team that I think will be a top five duo in the next couple of years, if not next season for me in the next couple of years. But we'll start with number five, Cajun. Who do you have number five best duo in the NBA right now going into the 2023-24 season? Five as of right now. I have De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. I like where your head's at, Cajun. I like where your head's at. My um, number five mimics Bleacher Report. I also got Dallas with Kyrie and Luka. I think they're so talented as individuals, they have to make the list. But if they don't improve this season, if they do not play well this season as a duo, if that team just underperforms the first 20, 30 games, then they will crash out of the list. They will, they will crash out for me. But... For right now, I think Luca and Kyrie make the top five list at number five. But go ahead mm. and make your make your statement for Sacramento. Uh, that one season that they had together. So far. So far was synergy. Synergy. There's light the beam, baby. Light the light the beam, and they're gonna get and foxes. <laughs> Sabonis so might get marginally better, but Fox is a, the ceiling is still there for for De'Aaron Fox. So that duo has a chance to maybe move to top three, borderline top three. Who knows? Um, and in terms of Luca and Kyrie, I actually have them as below my Wait. top five. Ooh, you have out of the top five. I like this, Cage. I like this. See, I I thought about it again. I got I got seven teams. I was thinking the five spot who I was gonna put between the three teams that are five, six, seven on my little list, and I thought they gotta be there because they're so talented. Like those are two thirty-point getters together. Again, but are they gonna win, Cage? I don't know. Are they gonna work? I don't know. But talent-wise, the talent of those two guys, they're a top three talent duo. It's if they work on the floor, I don't know yet. I got to see it for a longer sample size. So I'm gonna, I think that I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna plead ignorance to a cage, and I'm gonna let them I'm gonna let them play it out this season to see if they can move up, move down, or stay the same. I think that's the one duo that I that has potential. Like that's the one duo that I think can elevate into the top five or top three. But well, they, for now, I have them outside my top five because they haven't proven anything yet. See, I think they are the highest ceiling, lowest floor, and we use that a lot in football. Basically, meaning mm-hmm. if if you didn't know. If the highest ceiling, meaning that they could be the best duo in the NBA, because, again, these are two 30-point getters consistently in the NBA, or the lowest floor where what we've seen of them, yeah, they're good individual players, but they have not made it made it into success for Dallas. The Mavericks have not been good enough with them on the floor, but in spite of that. So I've got Dallas. You've got, you said Sacramento. Who's your number four, Cajun? Number four, top five duos list. I got to go with the old heads here. LeBron and AD. You got the Lakers on the list, Cage. Well, they may have been injury prone, but they have proven that they've won a title together. That's the only reason why. And... You know, I can't argue, I can't argue that. I can't argue and, that. And, um... Health permitting, health has been health has basically been the only issue surrounding those two. But when they're healthy together, they've proven that they can win together. That's why I do not have 
Abdul like Kawhi and PG on my list. Oh God, talk about talk about injury prone. They're all they also did not make my list. They're not even in my top seven. I thought about or, talent for those two guys, but they're always injured. Like Kawhi has not played a full has only played like fifty games yet for the Clippers in a season. Or and I do like Zion and Brandon, like the thought, the idea of them, but like they're not also Williamson. but they're never healthy. I honestly thought about putting uh, Mike. So my I made a giant list of all the duos in the NBA, basically from east to west. Include I had Denver at number one because they were the easiest one, but I basically went east to west. And I put down New Orleans, and I thought, do I put Williamson, Zion Williamson, and Brandon Ingram, or do I put Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum? And I went, no, you got to go Zion, because Zion's the guy who stirs the drink there. Like, if Zion can stay healthy at 50 games, New Orleans is a playoff team. Like, New Orleans, the Pelicans, are a playoff team if Zion Williamson stays healthy. He just has never been healthy in the NBA. And will he ever be? I don't know. That, again, is that is something you and I can't control, he can't control, we'll never know. But I hope that we one day see a Pelicans team that's put together. Even if it's just one year, Cage, I want to see one year where Zion plays 70 games, Ingram plays 70 games, McCollum plays 70 games, and we just see how good they could be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just want to see it. I want to see it on the floor. But, you know, New Orleans is a, is a good shout there as like a kind of honorable mention, but I'm making either of our lists. Um, so you got the Cl uh, Lakers at four. I do not have them on the list. They're not even top seven for me. They, I thought about it. But I just, again, health and their age, they just kind of phased out for me. My number four is ironically, Cajun, your number five, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. They could be a, a trio. They could be a big three if Keegan Murray can continue developing. Former first-round pick out of Iowa. Because I love, I love Murray. So I'm a big fan of the Sacramento team, but Sabonis 26, De'Aaron Fox 25. As of right now, those two guys, you know, are studs, and I think they're gonna propel this Kings team into an era we haven't seen since the early 2000s with with um, uh, Weber and uh, Bibby and those boys and Vlade Divac and and that team when they made the Pages Stojakovic was on that team when they had a really good team then. Played the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. We're not able to get over the hump. Some people think that was rigged, but we're not getting into that today. We're not getting into that. But I got Sacramento No, 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 no it was. Yeah, well, I, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing, but we're, we're skipping over that. We're skipping over that. I got Sacramento at four, and they're so young, they could also move up my list, shoot up my list. So who do you mm. got number three, Cage? And number three, best duo in the NBA right now. One and two is easy. Three, was three, four, five was a little bit hard for me. But I'm going to go Giannis and Chris Middleton for number three. One, it's the same situation as LeBron and AD in the sense that Chris Middleton has started to become more injury prone. But this duo has also won an NBA title together, and they're younger. And Middleton showed a little something-something during that playoff run, which he was finally healthy and actually was the second – Looked like he was the old Chris Middleton, where you're second fiddle to Giannis. Um, and a healthy Chris Middleton is that. Um, but also, his health issues. And that, this is a duo that could go two or one if things go right for them. But Chris Middleton's health has me, has me like a little bit of a pause at number three. Yeah, I also, ironically pardon me, have Milwaukee as my number three, the Bucks in Giannis and Middleton. 
they uh, Bleacher Report had it had them second, but it was Drew Holiday and my boy uh, Giannis. And yes, I did spell Chris Middleton's name wrong. I just realized that now that it definitely is a K, not a C for Chris Middleton. But anyway, um, Middleton only played 33 games this year, which is which is a good point by you that you know health is an issue. But when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo as your as your partner, and he's arguably a top three player in the NBA any given year, all you got to be is good. And I think Chris Middleton's very good. So I, I think they're an easy three spot. And I, they're going to be hard to move. We talked about, you know, how Dallas can move up, how Sacramento can move up. You know, the Milwaukee's the one where maybe they move down because Chris Middleton gets hurt and can't play. And then it has to be Drew Holiday being that number two option, which I don't think he's, I don't think he's, he's not a two really option. A, a, I don't think he's a great number two option either, you know, as good as Giannis is. And, you know, Giannis, in fairness, played a lot of basketball. Giannis is 28. You know, he is younger than the Lakers, but, you know, age will become a factor in the next in the coming years. And, you know, we'll see if if it does start plaguing those Milwaukee Bucks. But I also have them at number three. So, Cajun, who is your number two in the best duos in the NBA going into the next well, I think Well, I think this is where, like, we flip-flop here. But I got... Boston's Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Now, I knew you were going to do it too. When you said you knew who number one and number two, where I knew you were going to do it to me. <laughs> I knew it. I knew occasion. I knew it. Now, in terms so you of might talent, well say number one too. You might as well say number one too, because we both we both have. All we will say right now, without even knowing your number one, we both have the same number one and number two. Next two. Number one. Number one. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Um. Now you yeah. can say health has been an issue with Jamal Murray, but. He did prove that he was back in a big way, being becoming that number two option to Nikola Jokic, who is the best player in the basketball. Best player, the best player in basketball right now, and him and Mur- Jokic and Murray became the first teammates to have thirty point triple doubles in an NBA Finals game. That's a pretty big deal, and the reason why I have them over. A duo like Brown and Tatum is one. They got a title under their belt, and when the stakes and then when the bright and lights are bright in the postseason, comparatively, Murky, Murky, Murray and Jokic have more good than bad than compared to Brown and Tatum, because Brown and Tatum have, have the most have the most potential to grow and overtake Murray and Jokic because of how athletic and talented they are, and the fact that they're wing players. But there's been a lot of warts on their postseason resume, like in the NBA Finals where Tatum didn't shoot the ball well at all. 2020, when when they couldn't get past the Heat. And then earlier last season. And last season where... They went down three nothing when they basically had an uneven postseason performance, going six games against a inferior Hawks team, four minutes away from getting eliminated by the always choking Philadelphia 76ers, and then down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. They've had a lot more bumps on the road in terms of their play than Denver, which their bumps, in terms of Murray and Jokic, their bumps in the road have just basically come in the way of injuries. 
but when they've played together, they've shown up in the they've shown up more often than not in the in the in the bigger moments than Brown and Tatum so far. Now this could change if Brown and Tatum get it together and do get a ring, which I feel like will happen in the within the next three years. Now that Porzingis is in the picture, but for now I got Murray and Jokic as, at one and Brown and Tatum at two. Well, I have, as you said, the opposite. My my number two is the Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, which I also will say I think become a big three because I am a huge fan, huge fan of Michael Porter Jr. I think the world of MPGA, I think they could be a big three in the coming years. I don't think they're there just yet, just yet, but I think they're close. I think they're I close think Michael Porter three. Jr. has the talent to be that number three. But based off of what it is in Denver, I don't think he will be. I don't. I honestly, I don't know if he can be because again, the injuries for him are always always been a problem. Even back at when he was playing college ball with Mizzou, with Missouri, his back injuries have been a problem. He was been healthy the past couple of seasons, thank goodness. But you know, there's always that inkling in the back of your mind. I do want to and just based off, and just based off of the coaching style of Michael Malone Jr. and the synergy of Jokic and Murray, I feel like Michael Porter Jr. will benefit from those two. But not to the degree where he's averaging like 25 or 25 a game. Well, no nugget average 25 a game. Jokic capped out at 24 and a half, and he was the highest averaging point getter for the Denver Nuggets. But I do also want to mention, you talked about injuries with Jamal Murray. He played 65 games this year. That's basically double what Chris Middleton played. So, you know, like injuries are a problem, but, you know, he still played a lot of games this year. You know, only played four less games than Nikola Jokic at, six, at 69 games. <laughs> Lull for Nikola Jokic, which is even funnier with the him getting fined for saying no homo after a, after he said something to a reporter, which is, again, <laughs> just hilarious. Just, again, Nikola Jokic is unironically funny, which is why he's so funny, is he says things at, like, not trying to be funny and then kind of makes it funny, just with the, his cadence and the way he says things. But anyway, so I have the Denver Nuggets number two because, again, you said Nikki Jokic, best player in the world. Jamal Murray had a great playoff run, Canadian. He'll get the benefit of the doubt by me for sure. And number one, the easy number one, the locked-in number one for sure, without a doubt, the best duo in the NBA by far, nobody close, multi-season duo in Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown. Bias much? 30-point average from Jason Tatum. 26 a game from Jalen Brown. They are the best duo because they're the only true duo. They're the only duo in the NBA that averages 25 or more each that is consistently healthy. I'm not saying Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can't do it. I'm not even saying Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram can't do it. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Consistently healthy, consistently on the floor in, in, in Kyrie's case because usually it's off-the-court stuff affecting on the court. They are the best duo. And again, we can mention trio if Kristaps Porzingis can be the player he used to be on the Knicks. In Washington. We'll see if that player shows up. And if he does, because he averaged 23 a game last year for Dallas, I believe. We'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see if he can average even 20 beside 25 and 30 from Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. My boys, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now, Cajun, I have two, two honorable mentions I'll mention now. Two honorable mentions, number six and number seven for me. My number seven, I think, within the next two years or three, will be inside the top five. 
I want to hear who do you think, if you had to pick two more teams out of the list or off the top of your head that will make it onto the top five list soon enough, who do you think will make a top five list soon enough or make it close? Um, Luca and Kyrie. I'll say your number six, which makes sense. And this might be out of left field, but this depends on if this person is healthy. If this person is healthy enough, I they got top five talent, Zion and Brandon Ingram. See, and I I love that pick. I put them on there just because of the just the X X factor. They again, they're a high ceiling, low floor because again, Zion has just been so hurt since he came from Duke into the NBA. But if those two can stay healthy and CJ McCollum can play well. They're a deadly team, dog. They are so talented. They are so scary that way in New Orleans. And they got some really high upside guys like Jackson Hayes, who's just a freak of an athlete, and other guys like that. Jackson so, Hayes? He's with the Lakers now. Well, they had Jackson Hayes, who was a freak of an athlete, who helped out that team. Mm-hmm. I will say this about the Boston duo, because you showcase a lot of bias. What do you mean? I have a lot of love because of the best duo in the NBA. I don't know which one. I'm just you're also a Celtics. You're you're also a Celtics fan. Cut it out. But I'm just stating the fact. I don't know what you want from me. I will say that they produce consistently at the regular season, and they're healthy compared to Kawhi and PG, LeBron and AD, Zion and Ingram, Luca and Kyrie, Giannis and Middleton, and Giannis and Middleton too. But in terms of but when it comes to when it comes to comparing them to Denver, because regular season wise they have Murray and Jokic beat. Oh, easy, easy. easy. But the postseason also matters. I, I agree. But Boston's been to an NBA Finals, been to a couple conference finals. I'm not saying they've won anything yet, but I'm saying I you said they're gonna. I know they're gonna. Like if. And I, I will make a, and I will make this prediction now. If the Boston Celtics do not win an NBA championship with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it will be a failure of an era for the Celtics. Just oh, like, of course. just like when you know Paul Pierce needed KG and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen to win a championship, that would have been a wasted era of Celtics basketball if Paul Pierce did not get that ring. It would have been a wasted era, and I feel the same way right now. If Tatum and Brown leave Boston without rings, it will be a massive disappointment for everybody. I feel like that era with Pierce, KG, Allen was an underachievement because they only won. They underachieved because they only won one ring. But and but they were in their their early to mid thirties. So in fairness to them, they were aging out, which does suck. And they had your favorite coach. I was going to mention that when you talk about Philadelphia, your favorite head coach in uh, Doc Rivers. Glenn. Glenn. Doc yeah, yeah. Glenn, nicknamed Doc Rivers. Yeah. Man couldn't find a job in the NBA, so he has to resort. I have to resort to hearing his ashy voice on ESPN. Oh man. And and then and I will mention here quick that the players I was thinking of New Orleans, Dyson Daniels for New Orleans, young guy, real athletic. They also have Jordan Hawkins. They just drafted out of UConn, who played really well in the March March Madness NCAA tournament. So again, what I mean by just have young guys that are kind of freaks. Kind of freaks. Oh, yeah. Trey Murphy, the third, too. Yeah, I was going to mention Murphy, but I knew you would because you're a shill and mentioned all the bums on the on the bench. But anyway, 
Anyway, so He's my bum, six though. and seven, my six and seven are as follows. So my six is Memphis with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. And this has a caveat of if John Morant stops being an idiot and stops flashing guns on Instagram Live. If he stops doing that, that duo could easily be in the top five right now. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I think the world of that guy, especially coming out of Michigan State. You know, I'm not a Michigan State fan. Not even a big fan of Izzo, personally, Tom Izzo, the coach of Michigan State. But I do respect the program. I know they have a lot of guys that have gone to the NBA and been successful. You know, but John Morant is a great player. Could be a top five player in the NBA, I'd think. But right now, the off the court is really affecting his on the court. And he's been not been able to stay on the floor. Has not been able mm-hmm. to stay on the floor, which has affected Memphis heavily. But they're a second seat. They're top, top two seed right now in the West. You expect to be a top four seed again this year. So if Jaw can fix the off the court, and be on the court more, and Jaron Jackson Jr. can continue being a defensive player of the year candidate every year, and up the points per game, and be a good three-point shooter, which he is. Lol, thank you, Kat. Anyway, um, you know, I think Memphis could make it. I think that duo of Morant and Jackson Jr., Triple J, could make it into the top five list. Oh, and we then, forgot We forgot about another duo. Oh, anyway. Oh, no, and- I, I, you know what made me laugh, Cajun? I almost put down Anthony Edwards and Cat, but I was not going to put it on for the memes because I didn't want even you to mention Cat in this episode. I wanted to skip right over Minnesota Timberwolves, one of the was one of the absolute worst, garbage, disgusting, rotten organizations in all of the NBA. And the reason why I'm so angry and so using such ridic- yeah, such such language is because I hate organizations that don't let players succeed, and Minnesota has been one of the absolute worst for not being able to get players to succeed. It's kind of like the Arizona Coyotes in hockey. But they don't threaten to move Minnesota, which is why I don't defend Minnesota like I defend Arizona. I defend the Coyotes because everyone wants to move them. And I think if you gave them a good hockey team in Arizona, people would come. Minnesota, people show up, and the team sucks. So no one wants to move them. So hopefully they get a good team someday soon, probably 50 years from now, but hopefully someday soon, Cajun. Minnesota will look decent in our lifetime. But my number seven, Cage. I mean, I, I mean, in terms of like me mentioning Cat, you, you did, you did that before I did. That's why yeah. I wrote down Minnesota. Well, yeah, th- thanks. I know, I know. <laughs> now this your own doing. Yeah, thanks. Now, a team that didn't even make the playoffs this year, wasn't even in the play-in this year, that I think has a duo that could make it into the top five list is Indiana. I have the Indiana duo of my boy Tyrese Halliburton and Canadian from Montreal, Benedict Matherin, as a duo that could make it into the top five list. Right now, they're at my seven. You probably could argue me them farther down because they are not as accomplished. Benedict Mathurin's going into his sophomore season. Tyrese Halliburton's going into, I think, technically his second second full season with, with Indiana since the trade from Sacramento that got DeMontis Sabonis to Sacramento. Which, again, talk about a trade that's worked out for both teams, Cajun. Talk about a trade that's worked out for both, both sides. It's very rare that happens, but this trade has. Indiana looks great with Halliburton being their number one guy and... And Sabonis on the other side for Sacramento looks great. And you wrote down Miles Turner. I agree with you. I thought about putting Miles Turner in there as well in the mix. But I think that partnership of Halliburton and Matherin could be one of the best duos. Because Halliburton, tall, lanky guard. Matherin, even shorter, power, small forward, power forward build that's really athletic, jump out of the gym. I love those two as a duo. And I think if Matherin has a good sophomore season, 
they could jump themselves close to, if not into the top five in the coming years, if they look really, really good. Mm -hmm. See, if we're talking about right now, I would have Miles Turner because like he's, it's the same thing as like say Jaron Jackson Jr. But Miles Turner is who you would think Miles Turner is who he is, but he showed a little bit of a more of an offensive game last season than oh. ever before. Than ever before. Obviously, Sabonis being out of Indiana and the fact that the two big, the two big, or the two big combination that Indiana had for so long with Sabonis and Turner got split up played a big played a big factor in that Halliburton is an All NBA point guard. Um, I think now that he signed somewhat of an extension there, he's going to take another step. Now I do, I do agree with you. Matherin is going to be a special NBA player one day. He's a stud. He's going to be a stud. He's, he's going to be a stud. I think he's too young. I still think he's too young. And I, th- I still think he's going to go through growing pains for maybe the next one, two, three seasons before we see that giant leap from him. I we'll think it's see. too early to tell. I think it's too early to tell with Matherin. So like, he'd be my second option after Miles Turner. But for now, like, I see them as like in the sense of like Morant and ja- Jaron Jackson Jr. Except Halliburton's more reliable. Although Jaron Jackson JJJ is better than Miles Turner, Halliburton's more reliable than Morant. Now, I will put the caveat. The reason why I put Matherin and Halliburton together, Halliburton 23, 2000 born, like the year, year 2000. You know, Cajun remembers the year 2000. I don't. I wasn't born yet. Benedict Matherin is 21, born in 2002, the year I was born. Actually, he's born the 19th. I'm born the 4th. That's 15 days after I was born. So Benedict Matherin is young, is younger than me, which is kind of scary. But anyway, um, the reason why I picked them is just age. Like, I feel like those two together – for the next three years, like they're gonna be a if they can keep them together in Indiana, which I think they will be able to, they're gonna be a power duo. And that's no offense to Miles Turner, that's no offense to Buddy Heald, it's no offense to your boy Bruce Brown, but Bruce Brown, you know, that's no offense to Andrew Nemhard who had a good year for Indiana. But I just think Matherin and Halliburton as a duo within the next three years are gonna be a top five duo. I think they're so talented together that they're gonna propel that team, and they're only gonna See, add. They're only going to add because this year in the draft, you know, they get Jairus uh, uh, Walker. You know, they and got Oscar be, uh, Shibway. Like, they got some guys, too, out of the draft. And then they just traded for another young guy in Obi Toppin. Who I love coming out of Dayton, 25 years young, is Obi Toppin. And I love he's, his upside, too. Like, he's going to be, he's fine. He's like, finally free from the shackles that is Tom Thibodeau and his coaching style. Yeah, for big Tibbs and uh, the coaching style there in New York. But I think Indiana, not saying dark horse pick for the NBA for the playoffs, maybe for the play-in, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're going to play fast. They're going to play big. They're going to play – Rick Carlisle is going to get them moving. Like, they're going to play really fast. That's going to be a fast team, and I would – I can't wait to see it, Cage. That's all I'm going to say. I can't wait to see it. There's a, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good duos in the NBA now that I'm looking at it because we didn't even mention Randall and Brunson, and we – there's there's – a whole bunch of like reservations on Julius Randle, but he's yeah, still a good see. NBA. He's still a good NBA player. And then Brunson took that step forward, and he should have been an All NBA player and should have been an All Star, which has, which is the crime, of, which was the crime of that season. Yeah. So there's a lot of good NBA duels out there. Murray and Young too. They got the talent. They got the talent too, and will be better compared to 
this previous season. Yeah, there's a lot of good dudes with Dejounte Murray and Trey Young. And then obviously we mentioned the Clippers, Kawhi and PG. They are injury prone, but they do have the talent too. Yeah, they're then, top five. They're a top five duo when healthy. Just they're never healthy. Yeah. So there's a lot of good duos here. Like it's it's insane. And I added another another one that you didn't mention, which I, I understand. I think it's the last one we have it that I wrote down that we didn't mention yet. It's San Antonio. And the reason why I put down San Antonio is because of Victor Wembanyama, that the 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 absolute freak he is, and and, and Keldon Johnson. And the only reason why they're on the list is because of Wembanyama. No offense to Keldon Johnson, who I think is a really good player, but I think they mm-hmm. could again could be. Do I think they are? No, of course not. They're not a top five duo. We haven't even seen Victor play in the NBA yet. Like we don't even know yet, right? And you write down Jeremy Sohan. I love Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. I'm not sure how much upside there is scoring. I don't know. Great defender, decent rebounder. I don't know how much scoring is there. I don't know how much offense is there. If the offense comes together, he could be a great player because the defense is already there. You know, Mm -hmm. Baylor Bears under Coach Drew. I mean, great defensive team. Sohan plays right into that, right into that. So San Antonio is a team you're going to see in the next three to five years, maybe closer to five years, maybe five to seven years. When Memanyama's hitting his stride, when maybe Sohan's hitting his stride, Johnson's a, a, maybe the vet on that team. Maybe another guy gets drafted that fits into that duo spot with Wembenyama. But San Antonio's a team to watch out for. They are. They are a team to watch out for. Not maybe this year because, again, they're going to suck. Wembenyama does not change that team from a, a bottom feeder to a, a top team. But, you know, we're going to see some growing pains as well. But, you know, they're, they're a team to watch in the coming years for a second guy to join that team especially with Popovich getting the extension he just got. So, you know, keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes out. And we went a while there on the duos, which does surprise me, sort of. So we will kind of quickly, quickly go through some of the other things. Um, MB, uh, 2023 Hall of Fame ceremony. I believe the headliners were Wade and Dirk Nowinski, former adversaries in the 2011 NBA championship where Dallas comes out with the championship. I believe it's 2011. Cajun will correct me if I am wrong. Um, but yeah, so they went from bitter enemies to, you know, hall of fame classmates, if you will, hall of fame inductees. So what'd you, what'd you make of the 2023 class going into the NBA hall of fame or the basketball hall of fame, not the NBA hall of fame, the basketball hall of fame. Man, I'm old. No, that's what I take oh, away from that. Are you just gathering that? Uh, I'm starting to, I'm starting to finally realize it. I'm starting oh, to finally realize. Yeah. The all-time Hall of Fame coach, or Greg Popovich, as I like to call him, Gregory Popovich. I don't know why. I don't think nobody calls him that, but hey. It is what it is. Um, and then you got, and this was a good class too. Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, the man they call Flash, one of the greatest defensive guards of all time. I think the greatest shot blocking guard of all time. Um, and then Popovich's disciple, Tony Parker. Uh, 
a guy who was a late first round draft pick and really made an NBA career out of himself. Oh, seven finals MVP. Won four rings. Oh my God. Cage. I'd stop you right now. I'd stop you right now because I found something out. It's going to upset you. Make me really happy for the first time ever. Cajun. For the first time on this show, I get to correct you. Not only do I get to correct you, I get to correct you on a government name. Now, if you didn't know, Cajun, one of Cajun's gimmicks, something Cajun likes to do, is say the 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 given name of a person. Doc Rivers, Doc is his nickname. His real name is Glenn Rivers. Or, uh, Cajun calls him Glenn. Greg Popovich's name is Greg Charles Popovich. His name is not Gregory. It is just Greg. Oh, that was sarcasm. Okay, good. I just wanted to make I know sure it's I not know. Gregory. Because I did not know, I would I would not have known if, if Greg Popovich was a Gregory or not. I would not have known, personally. No, no his name is just no. Greg. No. You know what, Cajun? I'll give it to you. If you knew, I'll, I'll believe you, Cage. I, 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 knew, I, knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't Gregory. It was like, I just like to make wordplay with names. Okay. You just like to be a little, okay, okay, I get you, I get you, Cage, I get you. I just, okay. I, just, I just like to be a little prick sometimes. Well, oh, That's we all know that, Cage. We all know that. <laughs> we all know that. Come on, you're, you're with me now. Come on. <laughs> like who, who are we kidding? Oh man. Um. And then you got Pog Gasol, who's not on the same level as Wade Pop, but was, but was a heck of a basketball player in itself. And I think going to the Lakers really elevated his value because without the, without Paul Gasol, Kobe Bryant's not getting ring number four and ring number five. And I think he was, he's probably the most underappreciated part of those, that, that Lakers, that Lakers era that won two, two titles with him, Kobe, Lamar Odom, rest in peace, Kobe, um, Andrew Bynum, Derek Fisher. You could have, ar- you could have argued he might, he, he, he should have won, Finals MVP back in 2010, holding down, holding his own against guys like Kevin Garnett and Kendrick Perkins, um, and Big Baby Davis too. But the big one for me, and you could argue, argue he is the OG of shooting big men, the greatest shooting big man of all time. Carl Dirk. No. No, now you bringing up now you bringing up names that are triggering you. What's going on? I just thought, I just thought I'd throw it in there just for him. No, Dirk Nowitzki. Ain't no, ain't nobody taking that Dominican man series. Um, but um, really changed the pro. Really changed the way European players not only changed the course of the NBA in terms of like how big men play in the NBA now, but really changed the course of how Europeans of the European talent in the, in in the NBA right now, because before that, not a lot of people were looking at European players. Now, sure. You had like guys before like Drazen Petrovic, Arbita Sabonis, but Dirk was the guy that really broke through that barrier. Because before European players were quote unquote known as soft. But now seeing a guy like Dirk breaking through the barrier, Luka Doncic himself was inspired, was mentored by Dirk in his rookie year too. Um, so seeing him in the Hall of Fame makes me feel a bit. It makes me feel a bit old. 
more or less, more or less. And then you got Becky Hammond on the women's committee too. So this this was one heck of a class of 2023. It just reminds me of it's comparable to the Hall of Fame class Kobe Bryant was in, um, in which there was, I believe it was Kobe, KG, and Tim Duncan. Like talk about talk about three big names into a Hall of Fame class. Wade, Parker, Gasol, and Novitsky are no slouch either, along with Greg Popovich. And I, I want to mention this, Cage, because this is a really fun fact. Probably a fact you knew, but a fun fact. Becky Hammond will be the first Russian inducted into the, the Basketball Hall of Fame. And the reason why I say Russian is she was born and raised in the U.S., but represented Russia at the 08 Olympics in Beijing for the Russian national basketball team, women's national basketball team. I remember that. Team, and gained citizenship in 2008. So in 2008, Becky Hammond became a Russian citizen. So she is technically the first Russian player to ever make the NBA Hall of Fame. That is rather interesting. That's wild. That, yeah, and, and you know what's sad, Cage, is she makes it, I would assume, because of her, her WNBA and, and overseas career in basketball pl- as a player. She might make it as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like, Won a championship with the Las Vegas Aces last year. Had the chance to win a championship this year with the Las Vegas Aces. And, you know, she, she could be a two, you know, two-time Hall of Famer. Two-time Hall of Famer, baby. We'll, 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 see, we'll see if that does ring true. But we'll have to, you know, see that as it may. Now, to continue with the, the, with the I'll say, women's topic, uh, Becky Hammond's Las Vegas Aces lost to the now reigning Commissioner's Cup WNBA champions in the New York Liberty by a quite wide margin, 82-63 final score in favor of New York. So they are this year's Commissioner Cup champions, which is their inner inner season tourney, basically. And uh, I think it's a precursor to the finals, Cajun, but... You know, these two teams combined have lost nine games. New York, six. Las Vegas, three. Those two teams' combined losses is tied for the least amount with Connecticut with nine, who are third place right now in the WNBA overall. So these are, I think we would say, the obvious top two teams in the WNBA. The expected collision course for the the WNBA championship. And... I, you know, maybe the Commissioner's Cup's a, an omen, bad omen for the Aces, but, you know, this is where you wish. And, I, and from what I remember, Cajun, it's, it's five-game playoffs for the women's, right? WNBA, it's five-game playoff for the for the WNBA mm-hmm. championship. I wish it was seven. Yeah. This, I can tell you right now, I wish the Liberty versus Aces was a seven-game series. This kind of series where you want seven games. When it's these two yeah. teams that are star-studded, they're on a collision course— you know, you can just tell they're going to meet up. You want to see seven-game series. We, we saw the same thing in hockey when the Red Wings and Colorado were gross in the Western Conference. Every year they faced basically in the Western Conference finals. You wanted seven games. You wanted those two teams to battle for it because of the two best teams in the world. And I would say Liberty and the Aces, unless Connecticut's able to upset the Aces, you know, you'd expect that, you know, they're going to be the, the final two teams when it, you know, when it all shakes out. Mm-hmm. 
But I guess I don't I'll, think... I'll pin it this way, Quage, before you continue. Do you think that this win for the Liberty will be an omen for the playoffs coming soon for the WNBA between Las Vegas and New York? No. And again, 19-point deficit. No. Because at the end of the day, the Aces know what it's like, uh, what it takes to win it all. Now, they did win both the Commissioner's Cup and the WNBA title last season, but um, and the Liberty are one heck of an opponent, but... um. And if any team can win the ti- win the title aside from the ACs, it'd be the Liberty. But I don't think it's a bad omen, especially when the other team when when the other team in the ACs knows what it takes to win a title. And they got and and they sort of have long-standing chemistry more so than say like the Liberty, who got Brianna Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot. From the like um, over the past off season, but with that being said, this is a state for the Liberty wise. It's a statement victory, especially on the road, especially in Las Vegas, which they're absolutely elite. Like they are elite at home, but undefeated at home, fifteen and zero. Make that fifteen and one. Um. 15 and I think in the regular season. I'm not sure if the commissioner's yeah. cup technically counts to the to the season standings, but regardless. But in terms of like just overall the season. Yeah. Um But yeah, like this is a big statement win for the Liberty, but I don't think the Aces are going to I don't think the Aces are going to be feeling sorry for themselves just for losing the Commissioner's Cup when there's a bigger goal at hand. But this is going to be very, very interesting to see. There, there, there a lot of star power there, a lot of star power on both sides, and those are like the consensus top two teams in the WNBA that are primed for a collision course in the WNBA finals. So, Yeah, like, and I agree with you. I just like a series, like a series with this much talent, should be a seven-game series. It's just such a game. It's such a shame that it's just at most a five-game series. Yeah, at most a five-game series. Again, that that's if it goes. You know, it's a best of three, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. first to three, if you will. Um, also want to quickly correct myself. The Connecticut's actually in the Eastern, so it would be Liberty versus the uh, Connecticut uh, Connecticut Suns. Air Connecticut Sun, no S. It's just Sun. They're they're non-plural. So Connecticut Sun in the Eastern Conference Final or Eastern Division Final. But regardless, you know, I think Liberty and Ace are on a collision course, and it's going to be a mighty great WNBA series. Maybe the greatest WNBA Finals we've ever seen. Maybe. We'll have to wait and find out. But um, quickly, we're also going to go to the Scrabble board just quick because I only have two names this week. Again, really light news week in the NBA or WNBA, in, in basketball in general. So I have two WNBA names here for you, Cajun. Are you ready? I am. So the first name I've got for you is H-M-T-A-O-S. And again, it's just last names for the Scrabble board. H-M-T-A-O-S? 
H-M-T-A-O-S. Okay, maybe a clue? She plays for the Connecticut Sun. She leads the WNBA in rebounds right now at over 10 a game. Alyssa Thomas? Alyssa Thomas, currently in the MVP running. The reason why I picked her is she is right now second ranked for the WNBA MVP, I believe. uh, Yeah, NBA or the MVP ladder. You know, and Thomas is second just behind A.J. Wilson and above Brianna Stewart, which, I mean, if you're inside company of Brianna Stewart and A.J. Wilson, that just says it enough. She's also averaging 8.6 assists a night, which is, you know, Giannis, or not Giannis, pardon me, Jokic levels of versatility there for Elisa Thomas. Now, the second name, Cajun, again, I only got two. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. N E H N. O S J A. Marine Johannes, Johans. 17, yes, point, 17 points for the Liberty. Led the way for Liberty in their Commissioner's Cup victory over the Las Vegas Aces. 17 points and only 14 minutes of play. And she is second name, so you are right. And I would say Johannes, but it could be Johans. I don't know exactly sure because different countries pronounce different ways. But anyway, that makes you two for two this week, Cajun. Again, light news week. Hopefully we have some more news so I can pick out some more names. But, you know, nice to have some WNBA names in there for the first time in a hot minute. Hot mm-hmm. minute. But again, that makes you two for two. And I hopefully you update the doc to make it a official number. It is... You say you say twenty four for twenty five, my boy yep. uh, Tubelis. The only name you've never gotten, or the only game you've not gotten on the Scrabble board, and that puts you at a cool Steve Nash esque ninety six percent. I ain't the Raptors, baby. You are not the Raptors with Miss with uh, M- little Miss DeRozan in the crowd. Uh, Dr. DeRozan can can't phase me. But now on to our last topic here. I'm not sure how long we're going to go on the FIFA World Cup, but the World Cup is nearing closer with Canada getting a big overtime win over Team Germany. 113-112, I believe the final score was. And mm-hmm. RJ Barrett dropped 31 in the win. Dennis Schroeder dropped, Dennis Schroeder dropped, I think, 26 and only 10 field goal attempts. So some big performances in that game. Definitely a good sign for Canada after losing their first game to Team Germany. Then I've got Spain coming up, which is rather scary, but hopefully they're able to put in a performance against the reigning champs. But Cage, uh, other big news before we break down the game. Uh, Jamal Murray, as we mentioned earlier, with the best duos in the NBA. He will not be playing in this year's FIBA World Cup. His body, as he said, is just not where he wants it to be, and he will not be participating. So that's a big blow to the Canadian team before the tournament even starts. Tournament has not even started yet, and they're missing arguably their best player, if not their best player, then the top, you know, second best player behind SGA and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So before we get, I'll say before we get to Murray, 
what did you make of that game against Germany? Did you get a chance to watch it? Again, hard to watch these streams, hard to find these streams, but, you this know. This is a magenta sport, magenta yeah. stream. There you go, magenta, magenta stream. Thank you so much for holding, hosting the Canadians, but what did you make of the win over Team Germany in overtime? I mean, Archie Barry showed me a little something, something, like, damn. Um... Uh, Look what happens when you don't have Tom Thibodeau as your coach. A lie? Um, I saw a lot. Like, um, 13 for 14 from the field. A perfect 4-4 from three-point range. So much for the inefficient talk. Um, And yeah, like there's the the chemistry of this team is starting to round into shape with Shea Gilgis Alexander playing well. Obviously, you got a mainstay there in Kelly Olynyk. Um, um, and then obviously you got you got a couple of players too, like uh, the great Dillion Brooks in that in in that team becoming being a pest. Um, he's something, all right. Hey man, uh, he 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 hasn't been a de- deterrent and deterrent just yet. Um, but yeah, like this, even though Murray's missing the FIBA, even though Murray isn't gonna play in the FIBA World Cup, like um, that team still has some talent. That team that team has some serious talent, and I think like. I think they'll be fine. Call me crazy. I think they'll be fine. But in terms of, like, Murray missing the FIBA World Cup, like, I said this before, like, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised, but now looking back at it, I'm not because we seem to forget Jokic isn't playing for Serbia either. I think this is more so a Nuggets decision than it was Murray. That could also be true. um, Because Murray... His love for Canada, like on the on the national stage, is is second to none. Um, but ultimately, him coming off of missing a season and a half because of an ACL injury and having to get back into shape for like the NBA regular season, and on top of that, going through a grueling playoffs and winning the NBA title, you just like maybe if he was, maybe if he was healthy this was a different story excuse me but the fact of the matter is he's just coming he just came off of a major injury and is trying to get slowly get himself back into like consistent basketball shape over the courses of like multiple 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 seasons and the recovery time wasn't obviously after talking to his medical staff, uh, after talking to his medical staff, the recovery time wasn't enough. Um, and keep in mind, keep it, keep in mind. Um, he still says it's still a dream of his to represent Canada at the Olympics, and I'll support, and he'll support the team every step of the way as they pursue this goal. Still a big, it is a it is a big blow, but they have enough talent to make some no make some noise at the at the World Cup. So 
it's a it's a surprise because like you would have thought like with I, I've said this before like with maybe Denver taking it easy during the regular season, but I didn't take in the fact that Murray had like I didn't take stock in the fact that Murray has not played consistent basketball in a minute. Yeah, another good point here is they've played right now. That was their third game against uh, of the preseason pre uh, the pre tournament games. They lost to Germany in game one. They beat New Zealand big one oh seven to seventy six. Shea Gilgis Alexander had twenty six points in that game, six steals as well for Canada in only twenty minutes of play. And then the, again, they just beat Germany in overtime. Uh, with uh, 31 going to R.J. Barrett, I believe uh, the second leading scorer was Gilja Alexander for Canada in that game against Germany. They now play Spain and DR, Dominican Republic, the next two days. So not today, but tomorrow they play Spain, which is August 17th to Thursday. And then Friday they play D- the Dominican Republic. So and that's August 18th, both in Spain. So some big games come up. And I think... Cage, the Spain one's the one to focus on. Not no offense to the Dominican Republic. You'd expect Canada's gonna win that game. Even if they don't play well, they should be able to win that game. You know? But Spain's the big one. You want to see Canada beat Spain, because you know, the US beat Spain. Big from what I from what the articles I read. So, you know, we I I expect and they need, and you and I as Canadian fans, we need Canada to have a good performance against Spain, even if they don't win, because you're not going to win every game you play. But we, mm-hmm. good performance. You need to see good things. You see positives, everyone will be happy. But if the game does not go well for Canada and they don't look good in that game, then that's going to be a big, big problem going into the World Cup. Just mere, basically just over a week away, basically 10 days as it'll be starting next Friday. So when they play DR, Dominican Republic, in Spain, It'll be a week from that. So 25th of August is their first game, which is basically next Friday. So a week from the 18th, their last um, pre-tournament game will be the tournament. So that Spain game, basically exactly a week and a day before, is a very big game for Canada. Very big game. And it, and Spain does not have a ton of names that pop out like NBA names. But they played together for years. But they've they've had a consistent pro pro program of like players that have been in the been been playing for the national team, and I think them and and that's a big test for Canada who they do have a lot of talent, but a lot of them have joined the Olympics for for the first time or they've relatively been new to the Olympic stage. With Spain, that's not the case because you got. A great player in Rudy Fernandez, who played for Portland back in the days. Um, Salty Aldama. Um, you got the Hernan Gomez brothers, who are like whose games will suit better to the FIBA style. Obviously, Willie, a per game monster, and obviously like Wancho, former Raptor, who can't forget. Like you, how can you forget about Bull Cruz? Um. That team just plays well together and have a ton of synergy. So it's going to be a big test for sure. And um, if they get a lot of positive, if they if there's positive from there, and somehow if they, and 
best of all, if they can somehow get a win against them, like that'll bode well. And I did mention that it was 31 from R.J. Barrett. Gilgis Alexander at 25, going 0 for 6 from 3 as well, which means he went 50% from 2 in the game. He also had eight rebounds and six assists. And as you mentioned, the old head, kind of like you on this podcast, Gage, and the old head, Kelly Olenek, had 21 points in the win over Germany, 113-112, just a few days ago on the 13th of August. So, you know, I'll ask you, Cajun, for your predictions. Again, Spain tomorrow, Dominican Republic on Friday. What are your expectations for this Canadian team? I don't want to necessarily guess scores because those are impossible, but just kind of final word expectations out of these last two games going into the FIBA World Cup in Japan, Indonesia, and the Philippines. What is your expectation out of these last two games? Do you expect two wins, one win and a loss? Do you expect just what exactly are your expectations? I expect them to be playing better, the the chemistry and synergy to be to be even better for each game. Um, I expect them to take care of business against the Dominican Republic and not keep their foot and to not let up on the, let up off the gas. But in terms of Spain, I expect them to beat them because we haven't mentioned this, but Rubio's not on that te- on that roster. He's stepping away from basketball to focus on mental health, and that's and that's a pretty big part piece of team team Spain. We wish we also wish Rubio the best because uh, he is um, he decided to stop his um, he he announced his decision to step away from his basketball career to focus on his mental health. Um, so we wish him the best and hope he gets his affairs sorted and um, um, whether he gets back onto the court or not, we, uh, we pray for as well. We wish him the best for his well-being and hope that he is better from this. Um, but ba- on the basketball side, that's a big loss for Spain. Um, so I expect Canada to beat Spain. Um, so yeah, I expect two wins, but I also expect them to play with more synergy and not play and play team basketball and take a page out of Spain's book, play team basketball, not one-on-one basketball. Because the individual basketball can work in the regular season during the NBA and maybe during the playoffs at times, but like not not during not during FIBA basketball. Again, the tournament does start next Friday, August twenty-fifth in Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia. Canada is in a group with France, Lebanon, and Latvia. Latvia also without Kristaps Porzingis. We don't know if that's, again, as you mentioned, with Jamal Murray, uh, uh, Porzingis slash Latvia matter or a Boston Celtic matter, but he is injured. He will not be playing for Latvia, so that's a massive loss for the Latvians. But well, he has a foot, he has a foot problem. Yeah. Porzingis, he won't play in the FIBA World Cup because of the foot problem. That's according to Sportsnet. Um, he has plantar for fasciitis. Ooh, that's bottom of the foot stuff too. That does not feel nice. I've never had it, thank goodness, because I I'm not an athlete. Don't even pretend to be one on TV. But you know, it, 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 I've I, I've heard of that one, and it's not very it's not very nice. Plantar fasciitis it, is a bad one. 
And if I'm looking at this, like, there's a lot of stars that, like, there's a lot of talk about Canada not bringing, like, their big guns to play for the FIBA World Cup. There's also a ton of names on the U.S. roster that choose to skip the FIBA World Cup, too, um, especially yeah. on the U.S. side. Giannis, um, Giannis isn't playing because he's recovering from knee surgery. Jokic because of the short offseason. Even Victor Wembanyama, like he didn't, he 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 decided not to play for France so like he could prep for his like rookie year in the NBA. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of people on like there's a lot of people on this um there's a lot of stars in the NBA that have chosen to skip the World Cup either because of um either because of um, rest, short off-season, or injuries. So it isn't just Team Canada. And and probably who didn't want to do it. Because let's be honest, it's, they are giving up some of their summer. You know, what is the gain to it? I would want to be a part of it, but again, that's me. I know I'm not everybody. I know some people would just not want to do it because they don't want to do it. And that's, you know what, I don't think they should be harped on because they don't want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. you should be able to choose what events you want to do and what you don't want to do. And if... You know, the World Cup and Olympics are included, then I think they're included. I think the best player at the FIBA World Cup, I think we'll end with this, is Luka Doncic playing for Slovenia because he plays for Slovenia everywhere. And we talked about last episode that he said in an interview he'd rather win a gold medal with Slovenia at the Olympics than win an NBA championship, which, you know, I think is, I'll say, interesting and maybe damning for some fans of Dallas. But I think it just shows how patriotic he is and how much he loves the country of Slovenia and how much he wants it to be a successful basketball nation. You know, I think it's over- refreshing. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely something we don't see in North like North American basketball. It's something we see a lot in, you know, soccer in, in or in the footy if you're over or across the pond. But, you know, in North American sport, it's not really a, a, a known commodity to really be patriotic for your country and play for your country like that. But in, in basketball, maybe that's because of how European we're getting with Wembenyama, with, with Giannis, with Luka. Maybe that is the way we're going. And, and if it is, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the World Cup and the Olympics start showing up then. Maybe a little more interesting, you know, back when the NBA players weren't allowed to play and it was all, you know, amateurs, technically college players. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll finish off with this. Canada again, play. They do play day one on the Friday, the 25th. They play at 9.30 a.m. over you know, in Japan, Indonesia, and the Philippines. I don't have the exact exchange, but it will be sometime at night on the on Friday, the 25th of August. They play against France in game one. They play Lebanon in game two, and then play Latvia in game three. They play every two days. So 25th, 27th, 29th, they will play games. First game against France. So, you know, I, I'm not saying you and I are optimistic. But I'd say we're cautiously optimistic of our of the Canadian mm-hmm. chances at the FIBA World Cup this year. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, and I saw this, I'm like, I'm surprised you didn't really mention this because like this is your guy and this is a guy you really like too. But Raptors undrafted rookie, Marquise Noel. My boy. And I quote posted an Instagram story to his account, late Monday words, with these words, and let me count this, with 14 words, I will make history as the best Raptor 
to ever put on a uniform. I mean, I don't doubt it. I mean, he's got he's got the upside. Maybe not the greatest Raptor kind of upside, but I think he's got the upside, Cage, and I like I love the confidence. Again, that's what I mean. You know, for some people that's a turnoff though. And that's what I mean by, you know, sometimes you like it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes some people think that's arrogant. I think that's just uber confidence. That's just a guy who knows who he is when he walks into a room. And I love it. I love it. My kind of guy, I love it. And, and that's why I love him. I love Marquise Noel. And co- and the Raptors have notoriously done better with late round draft picks. Lowry, a late first rounder. Siakam, 27th overall. Um, Fred, undrafted. So, he, if they if the Raptors can get back to their developmental ways of like the past, like to, like when it was elite back in like 2014, 2015, 2016 ish, 2014 to 2020, they might have just got they they very well could have just gone the greatest Raptor of all time, the growth, the future growth, but. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see like obviously with the kind of like turmoil and uncertainty that the Raptors are going through with losing Fred Van Fleet. And maybe Siakam. And, what, and maybe Siakam or Ananobi. Well, obviously there's know. going to be, there might be there is cause for turmoil and uncertainty and concern, but there's a lot of intriguing young guys pieces young guys and pieces to look at. Like so I'm cautiously optimistic about the Raptors season, something a lot of Raptors fans are not saying, but hey, there's a ton of, and then there's a little bit of upside to this group. Let's see, we'll, now, we'll see what happens. And now Cajun, for a kicker to actually end her off, we're done. We're, we're, we're waving the white flag. The checkered flag's out. The Formula One race is over. Dwight Howard is allegedly trying to convince James Harden to go to Taiwan. And I'm not joking. <laughs> he posted on he posted on Instagram. He his Instagram post says, "Hey James, I'm about to buy a team. You can be a franchise player and a partner. Forget 84. You're gonna you're gonna score 100. Come on, you already in Asia. Just stay right there. Stay right there. It's a shorter flight to Taiwan. Which I think you and I both know is a joke, but that's really funny that Dwight Howard put out the. Uh, uh, put put out the uh, real recruitment letter there to James Harden to come join him in the T1 league in uh, in Taiwan. You know, the Dwight Dwight Howard, the greatest big man of all time. Like, come on, now. in Taiwan, hey. maybe reigning MVP, <laughs> reigning NBA, uh, all or all T1 league for all uh, all defense, all star. No, uh, I mean, I mean, of all, t- I mean, of, of all time, he the OG Superman, Shaq. <laughs> Ooh, I wish that too loud, Cage. You might catch up. You, you might, you might, you know, wake up, wake up with the fishes there if you keep talking about Shaq like that. Shaq might get a little uh, upset. The big diesel. The uh, come on now. Uh, oh man. Um. Also, you did mention something about Sacramento, and like throwback players. So I gotta ask you this because, like, I just recently. Got a Chris Webber jersey, a Kings one. Of course you did. 2000, 2001. It was actually a gift um, from one of my boys. So oh, thank you. Oh, you, you can say your imaginary friend. It's okay. You bought it for yourself. It's okay. Continue. I mean, nah, that, that wasn't the case. Um, um, but 2000, 2001 Chris Webber jersey. I want to ask you this. 
what's your go to if if you had to pick one jersey that you want to get from like a throwback player who would it be okay any sport or just basketball basketball Okay, I was gonna have to make sure I say that because the answer is pretty simple. I actually just saw it. I uh, was a part of the the, the TSN 1050 uh, uh, t- radio team for the lo- most recent Argos game, and I got in an elevator with a guy with a Montana jersey, Joe Montana, former uh, NFL quarterback for my for my favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers, and I had to tell him that's a sick jersey because it is a sick jersey, and I hope to own one one day. But if I had to pick one player to have a throwback jersey, who would I pick? Now, Cage, I think – I'm not sure you would have thought of this one for me, but it, for me it might be the one. Number six, Bill Russell. Well, you're a Celtics fan, so it sort of makes sense. Eleven championships. Can't get much more iconic than number six. LeBron's retiring it for himself, so, you know, he doesn't quote – so he can't, you know, leaves it in respect of Bill Russell, you know. If the GOAT can put it down, I think I can pick it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay there. Yeah, the goat putting it down? Come on now. Well, I mean, you know, he is. Yeah, I just stated two facts. He is, he is, you know, not wearing the jersey anymore, and he is the goat in my opinion. So, you know, I mean, you know, pretty linear thinking there. Linear. <laughs> um, no, that's not surprising for me. And then who would you say, Cajun? Yeah, I think you're the more interesting question. Like, would you go former Raptor? Would you go just favorite player that used to play in the NBA? You know, like you old head, like Allen Iverson or something. Like, who would you pick, Cage? Who would you pick? One jersey, say from your, even from your collection, one jersey throwback, who would you pick? Well, I think I already got one. Just, and I already think I got the one that I wanted. Like, whoever was, a, whoever was the one, like, I really wanted from, like, time. Because I really like the color scheme that 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 was the Sacramento Kings like back in like the early 2000s so that was my go-to one but if I had to pick another one and maybe not a not so serious one Dirk Nowitzki Dirk Nowitzki and um and a not so serious one because of reasons only known to me of course. Reason and uh, because I am also a troll and a goof sometimes, or oh, we know. a lot of, or a lot of times, Jr. Hennessy Smith. Oh, not not my boy Jr. Not Jr. <laughs> the, Smith. Yeah, the New York Knicks version. Oh, the New York Knicks version too, hey? Yeah, and uh, the three oh, point oh. celebration. <laughs> yeah, hey. yeah. You might look at the the Sam Kesselgers and do the big ball celebration and get fined. <laughs> That's Minnesota Sam Cassell too. I like Clippers. That's say that's Minnesota Sam Cassell. Oh man, Minnesota Sam Cassell was a G. Yeah, he was for like all two seasons he was there before he got dealt. Yeah, and if he and and if he hadn't got injured in that 04 Western Conference Finals, who knows how that would have turned out with between Minnesota and LA. I'm trying to think of other NBA jerseys I actually like want in my possession. Like a Bill Russell jersey, I think would just be great for my collection. I don't even think I'd wear that kind of jersey, but I think I'd like to own one, just to say I own one. Um, but other like old players, I honestly, I'd, I'd love a Barkley jersey, the old pinstripe. But I think pinstripe Philly jersey, what I'm thinking of in my head. You know, I think they had a pinstripe Philly jersey. If my brain, you know, is telling me right, but I know they had mm. a pinstripe Rocket jersey, regardless. But I, oh, I. I, I 
I like a rock. Uh, I, I like a Philadelphia Barkley jersey. You know, love Charles Barkley. I think he's a really, really good personality on TV and was a great player in his own right. Um, maybe a Mark Price jersey, the old old Cav jerseys. Mark Price was a, a good player back in the day, mm-hmm. well before you and I were a glint in our father's eyes. My father would say. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I know Minnesota is a terribly run organization, but, but that, those old uh, Timberwolves jerseys with KG. Yeah, I gotta go I with the KG one. The old, the old one with the wolf, like don't, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah, that that those those jerseys were old P. Like holy, those were nice jerseys. The old, the old wolf, kind of staring at you. Those and you know what? Nice. You know what? Maybe, you know what? Maybe Larry Bird too. Hey, Larry Legend's got to get in there, Cage. Larry Legend's got to get in there. Larry and then if Legend. I was to own a Laker jersey, if I was to cross the land of Laker jerseys, I'd probably get a Magic. Probably Magic. Makes sense. Makes no sense. offense to Kareem. I'd probably get a Kareem Buck jersey over a Kareem Laker jersey for me, but... It's more rare. Yeah, exactly. You know, he only played there. I thought he played a lot a lot longer in Milwaukee than he did in L.A. He played 14 years in L.A. He only played like six years in Milwaukee. Won a championship in Milwaukee, but he only played six years in Milwaukee. You know, and I would probably get a, 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 an Abdul-Jabbar jersey in Milwaukee, not a Lou Alcindor, which was his name in Milwaukee. I don't believe he changed it in Milwaukee, or he might have changed it just before he left. But he definitely was Lou Alcindor when he won the championship in uh, in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. But before we make this podcast an hour and a half long, it already is well too long, but regardless, yeah. for Cajun. Theru Thanny Castellum. I'm Spencer Byers. Uh, uh. Thank you so much for taking in episode number eight of Polar Opposites. We'll see you back next week. Same time. Hopefully, well, hopefully same time. Definitely same place here on the Outrage. Uh-uh. Peace out.